So we've been looking at uh, uh, the kingdom of God. This is the the topic that occupies Jesus' teaching uh, literally from the beginning of his ministry. If you go to the if you go to the biographies of Jesus in the Bible, as soon as the Christmas story and Jesus' baptism is out of the way, he begins talking about uh, the kingdom of God and he continues all the way through his earthly ministry right up to the day he's taking up to heaven. So it's an important subject for Jesus, so we're looking at it very closely. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the kingdom of heaven, and uh, what we've seen is um, that it's not its not what it sounds like. It's not heaven, that it includes heaven. But what it really is, is the, the parts of creation that are yielded to God's rule. So um, what people had seen for, for centuries before Jesus is that that would come someday. But what Jesus said is, is it's not the someday when you die, or it's not the someday when when God uh, closes the age. Um, uh, it is it is available right now. The kingdom of heaven is drawn near. So we've been looking at what what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. And what we saw last week is that it doesn't mean that there's no trouble in the world. In fact, Jesus says troubles will go on happening um, uh, right next to the kingdom of God. The people around you can be terrible people um, that that are doing terrible things, um, but you can still be part of the kingdom of God and have the peace that comes from that, even in the midst of trouble. So we've learned that the kingdom of God is not uh, some some fantasy land where everything is perfect. But um, but that doesn't tell us what it is. That tells us what it's not. So we've been looking at, at the kingdom of God, and we want to know, what is it actually like? What is it like to be a living in the kingdom of God? And we know it's a better life. Jesus has said it's a better life. Not easier, but better. But better how? What does that look like? One of the things that, that I struggle with in, in when, when, try, when I try to understand what the kingdom of God is, is I, I start out saying, okay, it's a better life for me because I'm part of the kingdom of God. But what I quickly translate that to is better circumstances around me. And and so, for example, I say um, the the kingdom of God is is uh, producing in me uh, uh, someone who is more loving. But what that quickly becomes in my mind is I'm surrounded by more lovable people, right? That instead of being me in the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of God around me. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says the kingdom of God is in you. So he's not talking about your circumstances getting better. Um, uh, when, when I think what would it be like to have more self-control, what that quickly becomes in my mind is... What would it be like if there were fewer temptations around me? Or or what would it be like uh, to be more generous? And what that becomes is what would it be like to have more money? And Jesus isn't offering any of those things. He's saying you can actually be more generous. He's saying you can have more self-control. You can be more loving despite what your circumstances are. Regardless what what sort of environment you're in, you can actually be a better person despite all those things. Or... or uh, in conjunction with all those things, it, um, it, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can be a better person. So Jesus is saying you can have a better life. And what I struggle with is is to, to, to try and imagine what that's like. What I see the kingdom of God is usually in hindsight. I've had circumstances in my life where I've looked back and said, wow, you have really changed. That would not have been you a few years ago or a few decades ago. That is different the way you're experiencing God's kingdom. But it's usually something that I see um, in the rearview mirror. I don't usually see what it's like in in the future. And so Jesus tells us very clearly what it's like. He says it is awesome. He says it is a hundred or sixty or thirty times what you could achieve on your own. 
that it is just this amazing fruitfulness in your life. But he says there are hazards along the way. There are things that will prevent you from realizing that kind of power in God working in your life. So we're going to look at that today. So Jesus teaches, as he has been doing uh, parables, um, this is Jesus' favorite teaching technique. He talks about something that's abstract and spiritual in terms of something that's very material, very concrete, the things that people dealt with every day, farming. For those of us who don't farm, it's a bit of a stretch, but we can we can still get our heads around it. We understand the idea of seeds growing. So Jesus teaches yet another parable about seeds growing. It sounds at first glance like, um, like uh, uh, seems at first, anyway. Uh, it's kind of like the one last week, but it's a little different. Last week, we looked at a parable that involved two different kinds of seeds. There was good seeds that grew into wheat, and there was bad seeds that grew into weeds. In this parable, Jesus is talking about a single kind of seed. And what is different is what kind of soil it lands on. So Jesus is talking about the different kinds of soil. And he says some of it uh, lands on the path. So you can imagine you're, you're seeding your yard and some lands on the sidewalk. Um, and the birds come along and they pick it up. Jesus says that the, um, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, the seeds fell on the path. Birds came and ate them. Other parts fell on rocky ground. And because it's the Middle East, um, the, they have a dry season and a wet season, and during the dry season, the only way a plant can survive is if it can can get roots down to where there's water. Um, in the case of these plants, they weren't able to get down to where there's water. So when the sun comes up, they're scorched and they die. So he says there's two kinds of soil there. But there's a third kind. Other seeds fell among thorns. And uh, what happens is when the thorns come up, they choke out the seed. So that as the seed grows, it's choked out by the thorn. And then the... Um, Last kind is the good soil, where you get that hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold um, yield at the harvest. So uh, that's his parable, and the disciples uh, act like uh, I would certainly do, and maybe some of you. They go to Jesus and say, uh, "I don't get it. Help me understand that parable." So Jesus then, so Jesus says, "Okay, well, let me explain it to you." So he says, "Hear the parable of the sower." This is beginning in verse eighteen. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So the seed, it turns out, is the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom, um, what, what does that mean? That is, that is the message about the kingdom of God, the message of the gospel, the message, the, the truth of the gospel, the good news that God loves you, wants to spend eternity with you, and gave his son for you. What Paul talked about, I, I determined to know only one thing, and that was Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the message of the kingdom. So that is the seed, and it's the same for everybody. And in in the parable, God uh, uh, sows it uh, uh, extravagantly all over the place. Some falls on the hard soil, some and so forth. So it falls everywhere. So the message is out there. And he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is what was sown in the path. So, so um, what... This is like, and I, I have to tell you, um, uh, Rick Warren. Rick Warren says that um, creativity is the art of concealing your sources. So if you have only one source, you're a plagiarist. But if you've got 12 or 15 sources, then you're creative. So um, most of my sermons, I'm pretty creative. I've got sources all over the place. But today I am so influenced by a guy named Jim Bergen. He's a preacher in Colorado. And I heard... Um, he gave a five-week uh, series of sermons a couple of years ago on this parable. I'm going to try and fit them all into uh, very little time. 
Um, but, uh, but I was really influenced by his thinking about this parable, and I'm going to try and share some of the ways that his, it has uh, influenced me. Uh, this, this first type of soil uh, is, is the hard path, right? That's the stuff that falls on the sidewalk and the birds come along to get. He says, he says your heart is like that hard soil. So what, is that, what does that actually mean? I think most of us have, have experienced this. What this is like is somebody who has, who has the truth of, of the gospel, the truth about God, um, the, the message of the kingdom land on them but it doesn't take any root it doesn't we we don't understand it jesus says he says um he says uh hears the word but does not understand it does not mentally engage with it that that it just kind of it it bounces right off them and then the birds come along so the the example i think most of us can relate to is is what jim jim bergen calls the 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 shortest prayer that most of us pray it goes like this, dear God, no, in Jesus name, amen. Uh, and, and he says that's the most common prayer that he prays. And sometimes it is for me too, that, that it's not a question of what does God want. That's very clear. I know what the truth is. Okay. I know what God's truth for me in my circumstances is. I just don't want to do it. Right. I, you know, no, not today. Some other day maybe, but not today. Uh, that's what Jesus is talking about. The person who, who understands what it is that's being required, but doesn't engage with it any further than that. They just say, no, not going to do it. So, so, um, I think all of us, I heard some, some laughs. I think all of us can, can relate to that at some level. Maybe not every day, but we know we've been there. We know what that's like. So that's that first kind of soil. And Jesus says, when you have that kind of soil in your heart, that you are unable to experience the kingdom of God in your life. So that's the first type of soil. The second type of soil, Jesus says, is the rocky ground. What was sown on rocky ground? This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. So uh, what he's talking about here is when you, you like Christianity in the abstract, you like, you like the message about Jesus and all that good stuff uh, in general, you like it for her or for him, and you wish that it would take some root in them and make some differences in their life. But in your life, see, you're special. You've got certain, you've got certain reasons why it wouldn't be a good fit for you. If I was to do those things, then I would flunk my class, right? Or I wouldn't close the sale. That if I, if I was to do the things that are clear that God wants most people to do, well, that just wouldn't work for me. So I need a pass. But yes, by all means, I approve of it for these other people. But in my case, if I was to do that, then what would happen is that, that, that people would look at me funny. I might not get the promotion. I might not pass the class. Um, I would suffer. I would have to make some uncomfortable adjustments in my life if I was to do those things, if I was to become that kind of person. So for me, no. But in general, yeah, sure, I like it. Jesus says, when you have to endure trouble or persecution, that's a different type of soil where, again, the kingdom of God doesn't grow well. And then he says, there's a third type. He says, what was sown among thorns? This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the wealth and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. So what is he talking about here? I think, I think the first two are, are really kind of open to everybody in the world, that everybody 
Everybody can have that. They have some sense that God wants them to do this, maybe conscience, maybe uh, morality or whatever it is. They have some sense what they should do and they don't want to do it. Um, and so they either just reject it or they say, well, not today, not for me. Um, but I think uh, church people often get past those first two and they get to the third. And the third type of soil is where there's the thorns. And what the thorns are is is the idea that there's there's things that I don't want God to have control of in my life because I'm not sure he's going to do a very good job of, okay? That, that there are worries I've got. That yes, in general, I'm fine with God running my life, but there's this one area where I'm not sure that God could handle it as well as needs to be done. Um, and, and, and those are the things we worry about. He talks about the cares of the world. The, the things, the things that occupy our, our mind even though we have no control over them, right? I'm worried whether or not the sun is going to blow up. I have no control over it, but it could happen. Um, my, son, my son and I often talk about the uh, the um, volcano under Yellowstone, and if it ever goes up, we're in real trouble. Um, I have no control over it. Um, there are things in our lives, things that affect us, that we have no control over. And the only one who could possibly be in charge of them is God. But we worry about them anyway. Maybe the things you worry about aren't quite so so uh, abstract. But we we all know that there's the things that we can plan for. We can make plans, and those are fine. But then there are things that there's no way to plan for them. There's nothing you can do to plan for them. But we still worry. And Jesus says, when you take control of those areas, first of all, you're ineffective. But second of all, that's a place where God can't work in your life. And, and, and the, the other side of that same coin is money. Usually what we do is we say, well, it's true, I can't control that, but if I had money, I'd have options. If I had more money, then I wouldn't have to worry about those problems because if they came along, then I could somehow use my money to, to make them go away. And, and that's what Jesus calls the deceitfulness of money. It's not that money is bad, it's that money lies. Money makes us believe we have control over things that we don't have control over. Uh, let, let me let me prove that to you. I don't know I don't know who in this building makes the most money, but let's let's say we all made that much money and then let's double it. Okay. Now, how much money would that be, and how much more would you need to ensure you never got Alzheimer's or you never got cancer? to ensure that you never got a divorce, to ensure that your children never got in a car wreck. Money lies. It makes you think that there are parts of your world that you can control. And Jesus is saying, whether you just worry about it or whether you decide to take action and get some money so that then you don't have to worry, either one of those is false because what you're doing is taking a piece of the piece of, piece of your life and saying, I don't trust God with this area. I'm okay with God running this part of my life and this part of my life, but not this. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to worry about it. Or I'm going to, I'm going to think about how money is going to solve my problems in that area too. Jesus says these are thorns and that they choke out the kingdom of God. I love this quote. This is from um, uh, John Calvin 500 years ago. They had problems like this 500 years ago too. He said, each of us ought to endeavor to tear the thorns out of his heart if we do not choose that the word of God should be choked. So we always have that option, right? The word of God choked. I can run my life better than God. But but if you think you can't, then you should endeavor to tear the thorns out of your, your heart. For there is not one of us 
whose heart is not filled with a vast quantity and, as I may say, a thick forest of thorns. And indeed, we perceive how few there are when we look around, when we look at ourselves, we realize how few of us are the kind of great Christians that we want to be able to be, right? How few of us are Mother Teresa, how few of us are Billy Graham, right? How come, he says, there's scarcely one individual out of ten that labors, forget to uproot, not, not, not to root out the thorns, but even to cut them down. And he says, in fact, most of us, the situation we're in is that the very number of the thorns in our heart is so prodigious it should shake off our sloth. It should, we should say, wow, I, this is a mess. I need to, I need to get to work on this. He says, what most people do instead is that's the reason why most people give themselves no trouble about them. The problem we have is that our hearts are crowded over with thorns. We worry about things that are outside our control or we worry about how we could get more money so then they would be in our control. And both of those are false. What the kingdom of God is, is to say, God's in charge of this. God's in charge of every part of my life. The things I worry about and the things that I think I've got money enough I don't have to worry about. So, what's the application? The application is to pick whatever thing is is whatever type of soil that you're dealing with in, in a particular area of your life and say, all right, I'm going to work on that. If, if, the, if the thing where it, that you're dealing with is that God is telling you one thing and you're saying no, try saying yes. If, if instead the problem is uh, you are not open to what God is offering, right? God is saying that, that your life should be like this and you're saying, no, their life should be like this, but mine is going to go on being this way to be open for the possibility that God's got a different future for you and to be uh, willing to allow God to to let that take root in your life. And then, of course, to not worry. The Bible tells us to to uh, cast our anxieties on God because he cares for us. And the proof of that is that he sent Jesus to save us. And if he would not withhold his son, is there anything else he wouldn't do for us? So cast your cares on him because he loves us. And if we can do that, if we can tend the soil of our heart, Jesus promises that we will have a rich harvest, 30, 60, 100 times what we could produce. Thanks be to God. Amen.